going to jump right into this here. Last week, we saw Jesus on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples, and he was directing them to go to the other side, and everything seemed great. And then while they were transiting across the storm, this, uh, this large storm came over the water, and the disciples started to despair. And they're starting to despair. I think we have a map, too, of the Sea of Galilee and um, the, uh, where they started from in Capernaum up there in the north. And they were going to head to the Gadarenes, uh, an area called Gergesa, uh, on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And sometime in between Capernaum and Gergesa, they ended up encountering a storm. Well, now they've arrived, but things in the story pick up right away. And what we've seen so far in um, the Gospel of Matthew is we've seen Jesus as king, and he's king over disease, he's king over disaster, and this morning we're going to see that he's going to be the king over demons. He has power over demons. So the title of this morning's message is A King's Power Over Demons. Uh, let's pray. We're going to get right to Matthew chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 28. Father, we come before you with the word open, with our hearts open. And we pray that you would teach us today. We pray that you would comfort us today and strengthen us in our resolve to follow after you. We pray that as we learn more about who you are and how powerful you are, that we would have this confidence that we follow a risen Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that even demons must obey. And I pray that we would not be fearful, but that fear would be driven out from us as we see who you are more day by day. Holy Spirit, empower me to share the word. Lord, for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadareans, Two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. Wow, we're not taking a break here. We're going from a storm to it's calm. Get to the shore, and it says they came out, came out of the tombs, and they were so fierce, no one could pass by. Two men. Now, we've been looking at this as we can go through the Gospel of Matthew. We've been looking at parallel passages, other Gospel writers. What did Mark write about this? What did Luke write about this? And Mark and Luke write about this account as well. But sometimes you can look at those other accounts and go, wait a second, are we talking about the exact same story? We are talking about the same story. But there's some differences there. Yes, because in this Gospel of Matthew, there are two demon-possessed men mentioned. In the Gospel of Mark... There is one demon-possessed man mentioned. In the Gospel of Luke, there is one demon-possessed man mentioned. In the Gospel of Matthew here, it's just a general picture of what's going on. In the Gospels of Mark and Luke, we have some specific information that is not told to us here in the Gospel of Matthew. Why is that? Why is it that the Gospels are not identical? Well, first, they'd be completely redundant if they were identical word for word. Second, with each person, there's a different focus that they have. And we've talked about this. Matthew's gospel is to show that Jesus is king. That is the point of this gospel. And so 
Were there one or two? Well, there were two demon-possessed men. Wait, hold on. So then Mark and Luke are liars? No, Mark and Luke are focusing on one of the two possessed men. Either because he was more vocal or there was something about him that served the purpose of what their gospel was being written for. So when you see these in between where you're going, it doesn't quite line up. Maybe it's inconsistent. See, this is what people say, how the Bible's not consistent. Keep this in mind. If any two of us went and saw an event and then documented it, you know that our accounts would not be identical because different aspects of a situation will stand out to you that for someone else won't. And the beauty of the Gospels is God is using each of these men's observation and the things that stuck with their heart to show another aspect of the situation. So this is the same situation, the same uh, um, event that happened in Mark and Luke, and we see it here in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I have a question for you. When's the first time, when is the first time that you realized that the spiritual world was real and that angelic and demonic beings existed? Just think for a moment. When was the first time, and for some here, or in the sound of my voice, you're like, I don't believe that. For those of you that do, when was the first time you realized that there is a spiritual world and that there are angelic and demonic beings? If you've been at the church here, you've heard this story, so I'll just keep it brief. Grade school. I remember being in the basement. My mom was cooking dinner. It wasn't late at night. It wasn't a full moon. (laughs) You know, I wasn't out in some dark forest. My mom was just making dinner and I'm in the basement there nearby and all of a sudden this voice, so loud, that I thought I covered my ears because I was like, what is that? And, it, and I covered my ears and it was, nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. You're worthless. Why don't you kill yourself? Why don't you kill yourself? You're not worth it. Kill yourself. And I'm just going, I'm looking at my mom and she's just cooking as if nothing's happening. And I covered my ears. So I'm like, wait a second. And it didn't go away. And I thought, where's that coming from? I wasn't on drugs. I, I, I wasn't like, there was, I wasn't in some altered state. I was standing up like I'm standing up right now and my mom was 10 feet away and I'm hearing this voice. And I remember, I was like, what's going on? And I, I probably should have said something to her, but I was so paralyzed by the dark nature of this voice. And I, 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 I went upstairs to my room and I just kind of like closed my eyes and raised in a Christian home and so I I knew who to call out to and I was like God please help me please I don't know what this is I don't know what this is I need your help I don't I'm afraid and what happened was that voice that dark demonic voice went away okay great no here's the thing though it was replaced by this peaceful calming assurance Jim, it's going to be okay. I am with you. Grade school, first time. I was like, there is something beyond what I can perceive. And it just affected me in a very real way. In high school, I remember it was Halloween and uh, went to a friend of a friend's house. Never met this guy. He, uh, super rich kid, um, kind kind of a kid that like both parents were doctors and their house had a, their boat could launch out of their backyard out onto the the river and then out to the bay in New York there. And so I was like, "Uh, okay. So you kind of go and it's like, and I'm like, this kid has everything he wants. You know, and there's a moment of like, wow, it must be super nice living here. But there's something about this kid. 
And uh, there was a moment there where we were up in his room and he's just like, he was just bored. Like this kid was like perpetually bored. He's in high school like me and my friend and I'm, I don't know this guy. He's like, hey, and he, he pulls out LSD. First time I'd seen it. And uh, it was dark, man. And wait, what was You took it? No, I didn't take it. That whole scene in his room. I can still play it back in my mind. He's like, hey, here, you guys want to have some fun? You guys want to have some fun? And it was like the way he said it, he wasn't, it wasn't in his own voice that I heard it. It's like, you want to have some fun? And I'm like, what is going on right now? And it was one of those where I was like, and I heard a voice of escape, run now. And I was like, no man, I think I'm good. I've never done drugs in my life. But I wonder if I had paused or if I had just said, well, let me just, how hard, I mean, how bad can it be, right? Just got to try it. I mean, I've lived a pretty good life, so I'm just going to try. Where would I be today? Would I even be married? Would I have any kids? Would I be alive? There's a spiritual realm and there's demonic powers that wish to steal, kill, and destroy you and everyone you love. Don't be naive about that. I remember being in college, some of my 20s now, and I volunteered to help out at the church, junior high, Wednesday night. And uh, I was kind of, you know, it was a new ministry, a new thing. I never like really served the Lord in such a like way like this. And I was like, okay, okay, this is, all right, this is great. We're going to do this thing. And, um, and I was there at night asleep and it was before a Wednesday night service. Because yeah, it was, it was, it was coming into Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning. I'm asleep and all of a sudden I wake up from a dead sleep and I sleep, ask my wife, like when I sleep, I'm asleep. And I woke up and I thought, this just chill. I was like, what is that? And all of a sudden I heard footsteps outside the window crunching on the leaves and I could hear these footsteps and they were crunching and they were getting closer and closer. And I was like, what is going on? So I was like, I'm getting out. I got to move. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. I physically could not move a muscle. And I was just going, what? And this overwhelming dread started to come over me. And I thought, Lord, help me. Help me. And it, you know, it's interesting because it was like a repeated prayer from grade school way, way back when. God, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going on. I need your help. Please, God, help me in my situation. And the footsteps were getting closer and they stopped near a window not too far away from where I was sleeping. And then I heard the footsteps crunching on the leaves going back. And then all of a sudden, I could move. And I just thought, and this peace came over me. And I thought the peace drove away whatever that was. The interesting thing was, you know, later on, I woke up that morning, you know, later, a few hours later, and uh, I was like, wait, was that a dream? What was up? I was like, no, that was real. No, that actually happened. I do remember that happening. And I went outside and the thing is, it wasn't fall and there were no leaves out there at all. And just thought, okay, this is a little weird. And that was also one of the first nights where I was starting to serve the Lord in youth ministry. What would have happened if I never took that step to serve the Lord in youth ministry? What if I was like, I'm afraid, I'm not going to do it, I'm inadequate, I'm that. i got to tell you, I think the enemy sent a, a, a messenger to threaten me with fear so that I would not take that opportunity. Again, if I didn't do that, would I be serving the Lord the way that I serve the Lord today? I don't think so. When was the first time you realized that there's a spiritual realm? and real angelic and demonic beings. And the thing is, with every one of these episodes where darkness came in, a cry to the Lord, peace came. And a messenger from the Lord came to give me what I needed. C.S. Lewis writes this about, um, he's got two quotes about this aspect of the demonic realm. 
He says, and this is a bit tongue-in-cheek here, if devils exist, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, where it's uh, a, a, a book about a, an uncle who ends up writing to his nephew, and both of them are demons. And he's like, nephew, here's how you're an effective demon. So this is tongue-in-cheek when he says, if devils exist, he believes they do. But if they exist, their first aim is to give you an anesthetic, to put you off your guard. Ah, there's no, there's no spiritual world. That's their first tactic. Only if that fails do you become aware of them. As long as you're like, ah, it doesn't exist. It's not a big deal. Who cares? That's what they hope you'll think. They hope that you will believe that the only thing that exists is what you can perceive with your senses and touch and taste and smell. They are hoping that. C.S. Lewis also wrote this about the perspective of how we deal with the spiritual realm. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. Here's how the human race can fall into errors about the demonic realm. One is to disbelieve their existence, to go on that end of things. Ah, it doesn't exist. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Both are errors. They're those that get consumed with the darkness because they know it's real and now they want to know everything about it. Also an error. You know, we need to be simple about the things of evil and wise about the things of God. So it doesn't mean you, you're oblivious that it exists. You're just not, I'm going to become an expert on the things of darkness. No, that's not what a child of God is called to do. Ephesians tells us this, Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So the Bible tells us, This is not Jim making this up. The Bible tells us that there are invisible, supernatural beings that interact with our visible and natural world. Even now. There are times when I'm teaching up here and there is just a war within my mind as I'm trying to teach. And it's like, well, maybe it's distractions or people moving or things like that. No, no, no. It's it's different than that. It's a whole nother side conversation and a battle that's going on and just like prayer that's happening where it's like, Lord, please help. I appreciate all those of you that pray for me on Saturdays. Saturdays, oh man, pretty much you can guarantee Saturday is a war zone going on in my life. I remember sitting there just yesterday and going, wow, boy, this is going to be a good one. This is going to stir things up in the spiritual realms. And that's good because people need to be awakened to the fact that there are, is a real spiritual world out there. This is interesting because Jesus is not afraid to deal with the spiritual realm. He goes where other people are afraid to go. Jesus is not afraid of a demon-possessed person. See, normally people in the day and age would avoid a demonically possessed person. This is how Jesus feels about a demonically possessed person. He loves them and he wants to save them. That's how, if you call yourself a Christian, that's that's how your Savior feels about people who are demonically possessed. And it says in Matthew 8, 28, like we were reading, the two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one could pass by. Maybe some of the words also that in the original language there for possessed, demon-possessed, could be translated as these words, mean, scary, violent, terrible. Jesus loves mean, scary, violent, and terrible people. Jesus died on a cross for mean, scary, violent, and terrible people as well. So let's look at some more details about these men. But for the details of these men, 
we can't look at the Gospel of Matthew because it's going to be a bit of an overview. Let's look at one of those specific Gospels, you know, where they focused on one of these men. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, we look at one of those two demon-possessed men, and it says, He lived among the tombs, lived like in the cemetery or in the crypts, and no one could bind him any more. Any more, that means that they did bind him in the past, but they couldn't any more. So their pattern of dealing with a demon-possessed person was bind him up. But they couldn't anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I wonder if on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the king of all heard the cries of a man crying out and cutting himself day and night and then went through a storm to get to him. I think in this passage what you see is you can see how society would deal with people afflicted with something that physical help will not help or physical tactics or physical um, procedures won't help. The best the world could do, subdue them, chain them, bind them. And it says that that's what they did. They couldn't anymore. How young was he when he was first bound, tied up and left? And then maybe let loose and, oh, he's out of hand. Let's tie him up again. Use a chain this time. Man, he's breaking through that rope there. Let's use a chain and tie him up again. How many years was this man bound up and now got to the point where he has so much strength, otherworldly strength, that they can't even subdue him. And now he's up day and night in the tombs where dead people are and he's crying out and he's cutting himself. You know how society deals? With, with these spiritual issues, the best it can do, bind, imprison, guard, medicate. It's the best they can do because physical resources do not address a spiritual issue. If you've been here at the Telios Christian Fellowship, you've heard me repeat that over and over and over again. A spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. No over-the-counter drug is going to deal with a person who is demonically possessed. If it does and it, you know, it cures them or they're healed, guess what? They weren't demonically possessed because demon possession is a spiritual issue. It's the best society can do, but it shows that society can't deal with spiritual issues. And unfortunately, society also can't touch the root cause of the problem. What is it? Sin and a real enemy called Satan. Because society and human resources are not stronger than the problem of sin and Satan. They're not stronger, so they can't defeat it. Now, what are some traits of a demon-possessed person? And this is as observed in this story. And this is a, I usually try to keep it in like two or three or four points at most. I think this is going to have like seven or eight points in it. So we may have one that has traits, if we can put that one up here. And um, if we do, we'll go through that um, I'll read the traits of this of a demon-possessed person as observed in this story. Um, one, 
they are, it's a little bit of a, the print was a little small, but, but this is as observed in this story here in Mark and the parallel passages. A demon-possessed person is occupied by a real spiritual being. That's one of the signs of demon possession is that it's a real spiritual being. It's not in their head and it's not make-believe. It's an actual being within them. Another trait of a demon-possessed person that we see in this passage, they have a fixation with death and the dead. They gravitate towards death and the dead. These men, this one in particular, living amongst the tombs, found comfort in that or found being drawn there. Here's another one we see from this story. Supernatural strength, and this is not by any physical stimulant. Strength of above and beyond. It's not, oh, they took a bunch of drugs and now they're super strong, but when they get off of that, they're back. No, they have this otherworldly level of strength. Here's something else we see in this passage. Episodes of uncontrolled rage. And now you can go, oh, I've seen people with one or the other or this story. It's hitting every one of these points. Here's another one. Resistance opposition to Jesus and the gospel. That's a big one there. When you start to talk about who Jesus is. Hey, let me pray for you. Hey, let me ask Jesus to get away from me. Whoa, whoa. What, what just happened? What's going on? Having access, this is one, having access to information that they shouldn't have. In other words, they have the ability to tell you things about yourself that there's no way they could have known. Physically, yes. Supernaturally, hmm, remember, there's a whole realm. I remember uh, I heard a pastor as he was talking and he was saying that he found himself, it was in, um, where was he? He said he was in India. That's where he said he was. And he was in India and this person was screaming. And as they were screaming, he heard this scream and he was visiting a hospital or something. He heard these screams down the hallway and this person just screaming away and then screamed out his name over and over again. And he's like, and the doctor's like, well, can I help you? It's like, well, I'm, and he told him his name. He goes, I'm that guy, that, that person's name he's screaming. And it was a very unique name and it wasn't an Indian name. You're going to see in this story as we continue that there's going to be information that this demon-possessed man, these demon-possessed men have that they shouldn't have about who Jesus is. Here's another one. We're going to see this. Personality begins to break down. In other words, the personality of the human being. And other voices and personalities begin to manifest themselves. Where do they come from? Just their head? No, these are real spiritual being, sometimes plural, beings. Here's another one. We'll see this near the end of the story. When, the, when a person is delivered, the spirit beings must leave. They must go, they must physically go, not physically, spiritually leave that person and go away. And we're going to see that in this passage as well. This is quite an amazing passage of Scripture, and you look at the other accounts in the other Gospels as well. So, um, having information... Let me talk about one of these here. This is one that, that, that a story came up to mind. Having access to information that they shouldn't have. We had this one kid in junior high ministry, went to junior high camp, never seen him before. His grandma dropped him off, and he was from... Not in the town that we were in. And this kid was an absolute terror at camp. 
And we'd had lots of kids, lots of issues, death in the family, or, you know, there had been um, drug use, or um, parents had abandoned children, or just lots of issues that had been going on. And we had dealt with lots of issues over the years in junior high ministry. But this child, there was something different. You talk about, like, the the points here on this, definitely. Supernatural strength. There's times where like, hey, come on, we're going to go this way. It's like, no! I'm like, whoa, dude. Whoa, dude. The, and, you know, look at some of the other leaders going, uh, uh, it's like, listen, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask Jesus to help. Don't talk about Jesus. Okay, what is going on? Fixation with death and the dead. And like this murmuring, muttering, like person, something, something was, something was in there. We had to call family members to come and get this person, get this young man. And we're just like, what is his story? And like, well, and they were like real, it seemed like they were, they would just come and drop him off to whoever would have him for however long until he wrecked things. And then they would take him and then go someplace else and drop him off. Bind up, tie up, throw. Bind up, tie up, throw. Bind up, tie up. And so, a week after, the week after uh, camp was over, you know, it's one of those kids that, I mean, even to this day, think about just like, man, Lord, I pray that, that you've reached him. I've prayed for this kid over the years. One of the other leaders was like, Jim, dude. I'm like, what? He's like, he was a contractor. And he said, I was, I was on my job site and it's, it wasn't like in some like public place or something like that. I mean, it was off a little ways. It was, you'd have to know where he was. He was off on this job site working with his crew. And he, he said, I got this cold chill, this really dark feeling. And he said, I looked and there was that kid across the street just staring at me. How did he know where I work? What is he doing in the middle of the day? Or in the morning, it was like in the morning, he was just standing there, no backpack, no nothing, just standing there and just staring at him. He's like, we are not called to be naive that there is a spiritual realm, a real spiritual realm. Now, question, do all possessed people have these obvious outward signs? Well, if we keep reading the Bible here, we see that no, some could be more, I'm going to put air quotes on this, normal, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, and no wonder, for even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So there are those that, servants of Satan, they come and they are disguised looking all polished and great. So, do they all have those outward signs? No, they don't all have those outward signs. But in this story, those bullet points were the things that we are observing in this story here. Verse 29, let's continue on here. And behold, they cried out, What would you have to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Wow. These demons are now speaking. It's not the person speaking. These are the demons speaking. And the demons know who Jesus is right off the bat. And they also know that... See, here's the thing about the demons. The demons know that their end is coming. They know that. And they're going, is it already time? Is it already time for us to go to the place of torment? Why have you come? It's not time yet. See... um, 
some people may look at these people and just go, you know, look at, look at somebody who's demon possessed and, and go, well, you know what? All the things they did in their life, they're all just coming back. You know, they must have done things in their life that have opened themselves up to this level of possession. And I'm going to say this. Yes, a person does open themselves up for sure. But we need to be careful if we start to use phrases like, boy, they're probably getting what they deserve. Here's why. You better hope there's not a mirror anywhere near you. You better hope there's not a mirror anywhere near you if you're ever caught finding the phrase, boy, that person really is getting what they deserve. Because if there's a mirror and you saw yourself, I wonder what you and I would deserve. Don't forget God's mercy in your life. And don't ever stop praying for God's mercy in other people's lives. In fact, Mark gives us a little more of a glimpse of, you know, they knew he was the son of God, Jesus, right? But in Mark 5, 6, look at this. When they saw Jesus from afar, he ran, this one uh, demoniac, ran and fell down before him. You got to understand this like, oh, there's this, it's going to be this huge, at the end of time, there's going to be this huge battle between light and darkness. No, it's not a battle. Jesus speaks and it's done. It's, it's not this battle, okay? It's not this pitched, oh no, who's gonna win? No, Jesus already won on the cross. Here, these demons come, this one comes and he comes and he bows down. Son of God. And then we get, you know, you attach all of these accounts together and you get a bigger picture of this account. They come together, they bow at Jesus and go, Son of God, why have you come before the time? Have you come to torment us? Now, demons know their judgment is coming. Demons also believe that there's a God. And you think about this, like the theology of these demons is better than an atheist who says there is no God. Demons know that there's a God. The theology of these demons is better than an agnostic who says, how can you know that there's a God? I mean, you're never going to be sure one way or the other. The demons know that there is a God. And the theology of these demons is better than somebody who claims to be a Christian but doesn't believe that there is a spiritual realm. Because Jesus spoke about it. The person that somebody who says they're a Christian that they follow, he believes and speaks about this realm. In the Gospel of James, I mean the Gospel of James, in the book of James 2 verse 19, it says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Yeah, the demons know that there's a God. Isn't it amazing that there's human beings that will deny that there is a God? Nothing created everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Verse 30. Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And in this area of the Gadarenes, the area that they were in was influenced by Greek culture. And so you had some Jews there, but you also had non-Jews there. And so, because pigs, you you couldn't have, um, uh, pigs are unclean animals to a Jewish person. You can't be, touch them, you're not eating bacon, none of that stuff. No pork chops, none of that stuff, okay? So there's a couple options here. Either those um, those pig herders, the people who were herding the pigs, either they were not Jews, they were Gentiles, or they were Jews who were disobedient. But either way, there's a herd of many pigs and they're feeding some distance away. And these hills in that area, we'll show some pictures here actually. Um, here's one picture of a hill um, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And so, minus the power lines and the road that's been cut in, there's a a steepness that comes to it that ends up leading down to the water. Also, the water level would most likely have been higher in the time of Jesus than what we see today. Here's another picture, I think, also of the hill. 
if you're standing up on one of those hills on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, looking out to Capernaum and things off to the other side there. And so you have these rocky cliffs that drop down. And then again, the water level most likely was much higher back in that time. Okay, so this is kind of the area that these events are happening. Um, verse 31. After recognizing who Jesus is, look what happens. The demons begged him. Wow, demons begging Jesus. Huh, I wonder who has the power in this scenario. I wonder who's outranking who here. I wonder who's the authority. The demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. They have to go someplace. They desire to go someplace. They long to go inhabit someone or something. Verse 32, and he said to them, Jesus, look, look, look how, how much it took Jesus to deal with the situation. Go. One word, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. And so we see that Jesus is stronger than whatever spiritual opposition he faces. Which means for the child of God, your king is greater than any spiritual opposition you would face. Does that mean it'll be an instantaneous right at this moment? It'll all go away. No, some things there's a process that it works through. But whatever this issue is, and if it's a spiritual issue that's coming against you, Cling on to your king, onto Jesus, and ask him because he's the one with the power. He outranks any spiritual issue that's coming into your life. He speaks a word and the demons leave. How many demons? Well, if we read some of the other passages here, there was 2,000 pigs. Hold on a second. Are you saying that more than one demon might have been in a person? Mm-hmm. How many? Many. In fact, in one of the passages there, we won't look at it today, but I encourage you to look at the parallel passage, the parallel um, illustration in Mark and in Luke, where Jesus, the name is given, and it's like, we are, we, not I am. The demon speaks, the demons speak, and they say, we are legion, for we are many. One human being possessed by multiple real spiritual beings that when told by Jesus to go inhabit the bodies of 2,000 pigs that then rush headlong to destruction. You know, um, there's a balance here. Here's the balance. Oh, wow. Like, I'm freaked out a little bit. You shouldn't be if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, then Jesus is your king. If you're a Christian too, this is a question that maybe is further down in my notes, but as we're at this late hour in the message, let me say this. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? No, no. Why? Because a Christian is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within a believer's heart. The Holy Spirit is God. Hmm. Is God more powerful than Satan or any of the demons? Yes. Is God going to allow, like, sublet or sublease your heart and your... No! No! Get out! Go! See, is Satan strong? Yeah! 
compared to you and I. Yes. And so he wants to bait humanity into trying to deal with issues on a physical realm because he will roast them because he'll take it to the phys- he'll take it to the spiritual. While they live in the in the physical and try to deal with it in the physical, Satan will take things to the spiritual. And so Satan is a strong man. Jim, you're giving him too much credit. I say Satan's a strong man. You know why I say Satan's a strong man? Because Jesus said Satan's a strong man. Mark chapter 3, verse 27. When talking about um, uh, demonic possession, Mark 3, 27 says this, Jesus speaking. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? So Satan is living in the house of somebody, is living in their house, living in their body or demon. Who can get that out? Because Satan's a strong man, said Jesus. Who can plunder his goods? Who can get the souls of people? Who can rescue them? And Jesus continues on and says, only someone even stronger. Hmm, I wonder who's stronger than Satan. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Jesus is like, I'm going to come into that house. I'm going to tie you up and I'm going to take everything in your house, Satan. See, this is the power of Jesus. This is why we need to pray. Jim, there are some situations that maybe it's a chemical imbalance or maybe it's a... I get it. I understand. That is not what this story is about, though, at all. Well, in those situations there, like, shouldn't we, you know, if I think there's an issue, shouldn't I go see a doctor? Should I? Yes, you should. But I sure hope you prayed first. See, it's not the issue that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to um, seek a spiritual solution while my arm is broken. No, go get your arm splinted, but make sure while all that's happening that you're praying. But just know that there's some situations in life that a physical thing is not the answer. It's actually a spiritual answer that you're looking for. You're looking for God to answer supernaturally in a person's life. And maybe you've tried really hard. Well, maybe I'll get them in a program or maybe I'll do this or maybe we'll change this or maybe we'll do that. And maybe the issue isn't any of those things at all. So, verse 33, Jesus heals these men, they go, the demons go into the pigs, the pigs, deviled ham, flying off, if pigs could fly, and then they're down in the water in hog heaven, verse 33, the herdsmen fled, uh, sorry, they're horrible, I had to use them, the herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, the herdsmen, they owned the pigs, especially what happened to the demon-possessed men. So these herdmen told their town, these guys, we know all these guys, those two crazy guys, they're, they're healed now. Verse 34, all of a sudden, everybody in the town had a parade for Jesus and said, you're the best. Verse 34, and behold, all the town came out to meet Jesus. All right, here we go. And when they saw him, they begged him, yes, to leave their region. What? What? Clearly, these men have been healed of something no human could have healed them from. Clearly, they all understand that. So they make a point to come out to Jesus and beg him, leave us. It's quite a twist on the end of this story because wouldn't you think that you would want somebody with that kind of power in your town and around. Don't you know that there'd probably be people in their town that were afflicted with lots of issues? 
Jesus. If you can do that with these two men who we've known from years and years, we bound them up because it was the best we could do. We didn't know what else to do. Can you please come in and minister to all these other people in our community? Jesus would have taken that invitation, but instead they begged him and said, Jesus, leave us. Jesus will honor a person's decision. If a person chooses to reject Jesus, Jesus will not force himself into their life. Jesus with a broken heart will step away. And what comes with that are all the consequences. What are some reasons that you think this would have happened? Well, Jesus, in this case, Jesus was bad for their business. Bad for their business? Well, the healing of these two men cost 2,000 pigs. And for the people of this town, pigs were worth more than those two men. See, we'd love to think that, oh, wow, you know, if we can just get the people in this world that are just possessed, that have demons within them, that are just, their lives are being eaten and devoured from the inside out by a real spiritual being. You would think that the world would rejoice, but here's the thing. When Jesus shows up and Jesus does what Jesus does, it always comes at some cost. And this is the thing that we don't like to hear. For some people, they are happier with their business operating than they are with people being liberated from what they're in bondage to. Whoa, Jim, what are you talking about? I don't know. We live in Humboldt County. What do you think I'm talking about? Some people love pigs more than they love people. Some people care more about their own livelihood. It's not hurting anybody else. Hey, listen, if they don't get it from me, they're going to get it from somebody else. Jesus, leave. I just have to tell you this. um, Here in our community, where we stand on lots of topics, fly right in the face of what society would say. That's okay, I choose to stand with Jesus. And I understand that standing with Jesus is not popular. Was it popular back then? No. A whole town came out to tell him to go away. And Jesus chose not to, he couldn't force himself to help them. But Jesus still operated in the Galilee region. And I have to say this to you. If Jesus comes into a person's life and Jesus heals them of their addictions, heals them of the the issues that are going on, you do realize that that's going to be bad for some people's business. You do realize that, don't you? Do you think those people really want Jesus to be proclaimed? They don't. I'll use this example for you. <clears throat> if Jesus ends up speaking into the heart, uh, um, an alcoholic comes in and he comes in and he hears the gospel of, uh, of good, the good news and he hears about Jesus Christ. And he receives Christ into, into his heart. And that alcoholic is delivered from that daily, I have to, I have to. He has now power to overcome temptation. It doesn't mean temptation goes away completely. It just means he has power that's greater than the temptation. Awesome. Do you think that if a community of people who now that alcoholic is no longer going home and yelling at his kids and beating his wife, that's a good thing, right? paying and using the entire, you know, the paycheck to continue to drink his way down to the bottom of a bottle at the expense of his own family and himself, you would think that's a good thing. 
except maybe for the liquor store owner. The last thing you want is a whole community of people who no longer are bound by that. And why did I use that specific example? My dad used to own two liquor stores in New York. Let me tell you what a sweet life it is to be the son of an alcoholic who yells at his kids and beat his wife. If you have an issue with where I'm going with this or that topic, please have a personal conversation with me. I would love to tell you what that's like. There are businesses and industries in our community that thrive and live on binding people up again and again and again. Why? Because for some people, pigs and their business of pigs is more important than people. Christian, you and I should never be named amongst such people. We should be the ones that say, what can I do to help you? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to try to help you in your physical needs. But most importantly, I'm going to refer this to my king who is more powerful than whatever you're going through. Now this story and the way it ends. Mark chapter 5, we go to that gospel. You'll see it on the screen here. Here's a quick, uh, uh, that's up there on the screen. Leave that up on the screen for just a moment. Let me say this phrase just really quickly. If Jesus is bad for your business, then maybe your business is bad. I'm just going to leave it at that. Mark chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. And he was getting into the boat, that's Jesus, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Look at this. One moment, he's filled with demons, and the next moment, he sees Jesus getting on the boat, and he's going, I want to come with you, Jesus. You've rescued me. You're my savior. Verse 19, and he did not permit him. Jesus said, no. What? And he said to this former demoniac, he said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy, there's that word, how much he has had mercy on you. Hey, listen, if the people won't listen to Jesus, Jesus will send others who know Jesus. They know you. This is your hometown. They won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you because they know you and they can't deny as you walk with your clear mind and your spirit renewed, they can't deny that God is real. Verse 20, and when he went away and began, and, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, Deca means 10, Polis means city. So an area of 10 cities in that area is where this former possessed man went. He went around and went to these 10 cities in the area, how much, and he told how much Jesus had done for him. And look at this, everyone marveled. You cannot deny the power of a changed life. I want to tell you this. There are people in our community, you look at them, and you're just like, is there any hope for them? I want you to picture this. Here's the thought. Could you imagine what it would be like if they came to know who Jesus Christ is and, and they were freed, liberated from their sin? that struggle, that maybe even possession. Could you imagine if you saw somebody in our community and you're just going, that person just in torment day in and day out. And rather than turn a blind eye or you, you at the very least are praying faithfully for them. Could you imagine if they all of a sudden one day you see them walking around and they are, hey, how are you? It's like, do I know you? Yeah, I used to be on that corner. I was the guy that was screaming every day. I would wander these streets and scream every day. I thought I kind of, you don't even look the same. I met Jesus. You know how powerful a testimony is when a person's life is dramatically changed like that. This man had that testimony and he didn't waste it. Hey, if Jesus has healed you and done a great work in your life, do not keep that secret because it tells the truth of how powerful our King is. 
And remember this, as we close, Jesus braved a storm so that he could minister to these men. He loves people that much and his followers should as well. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Uh, Worship team, if you'd come on up. As we're here this morning, we've talked about a lot of things. And maybe for you, you've been dealing with something purely in the physical realm and you haven't even asked God to help. Or you've done it very half-heartedly. You did it because you know you're supposed to, but you didn't really ask God. I want to encourage you to ask God. Ask the king for help. Remember, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you and he's not going to allow any demon to live within you. You cannot be demon-possessed. You can experience the oppression or the challenges of the enemy as he comes against you from the outside, but he's not going to be on the inside because someone else lives within you, Christian. If you are not a Christian, your house is wide open. The door is open. The windows are open. You are wide open to be deceived and the possibility to be inhabited. The only thing that can defeat a strong man like Satan is a stronger one. And there's only one who is stronger than everyone, and that's Jesus. If you're here this morning and you aren't a Christian, and you realize your need for Jesus because he's real and he deals with issues that can be seen and also the unseen, then ask him into your heart. Humble yourself and ask the king to live within you. Ask him to take up residency inside your heart. He will do it, but you have to invite him in. If you want to, you can pray a prayer like this. You're listening on the radio or here or on the internet. You could pray something like this. Jesus, I believe you are the king. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on a cross and you defeated Satan and sin and death. You are stronger, Jesus. And I ask you humbly to please forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to live within my heart. Jesus, if there's anything in there that's not of you, please get it out. Command it to leave. I just want you to live within me. And Jesus, give me the power to tell people the truth about who you are by my life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me and answering and making me your child. Church, as we have our heads bowed and we have our eyes closed too, I just want to pray this prayer too. If you heard that last part about people loving a business of pigs more than they love people, and as you're doing inventory in your life and you're realizing you may be involved in something that you really value the money, the profit, the pleasure more than you actually care about people, and you realize that that's wrong, I want to tell you this, God will help you get out. He will give you the power to, 
and He will give you a place where you can glorify Him and be a blessing to Him and people around rather than use them for your gain. Call out to Jesus and He will show you the way out and He will show you the place where you can be productive and profitable for the kingdom of God. Jesus, we love you. We lift all these things up to you and we thank you for your victory in the spiritual realms. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen.